You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hello, Riverdale gang. Welcome back for another week of distraction from that strange life you're living right now. Truly, welcome to Riverdale Gang, the critical commentary watch-along podcast of Riverdale the Show. Uh, recorded here on unceded Tsleil-Waututh, Musqueam, and Squamish territory, at where much of Riverdale is shot. Yeah, we are your hosts. I am Ryan. I am Chloe, and I have a pinch cat on my belly who might be heard purring in the recording. Yay, I couldn't hear the purring in the last recording, so like, like, let her get closer to the mic. It's okay. 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 <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll see what I can do. Oh, what a strange time we're all living in, gang. Yeah, it's almost Lynchian. It's, uh, oh, honey, is it Lynchian? It is Lynchian in spades, <laughs> I would say. In shovelfuls. Um, a brief touch on reality. We hope you're all doing okay. Uh, hmm. Ryan and I are getting through. (laughs) We're comfortably locked down and laid off and all that jazz, but in a survivable corner of Canada for the moment. Yeah. (sighs) For the moment. Um, Want to acknowledge that uh, there are people having a worse epidemic than Ryan and I. Um, Mm -hmm. If you're a listener thinking of you. um, yeah, all our U.S. It's, fans, especially. Yeah, yeah, I got family in the States, and I'm worried about y'all. I'm worried mm. about my fellow, one set of my fellow countrymen. How like I'm worried about everybody. Who am I kidding? Um, yeah, it's a worry time. But um, that's why we live in our entertainment media that exists in a world without pandemics. In a strange inversion where reality is the stranger one. Uh, we get to jump into a show that's all about strange reality. Yeah, I know. It is odd. <laughs> I wondered, because there was a bit of a delay in um, release, I was mm. wondering if maybe they were going to touch on it. Mm. Um, even if it was someone, uh, like an actor from the show at the beginning, doing a little PSA, like, hey, we know times are different. I hope you're staying well. You know, something. Something. Mm. I don't, I didn't. The the meta world. I didn't really expect that, but I was sort of wondering if um, there was just going to be some sort of. A something. I don't know. Like, not in that direction. Yeah, some sort of acknowledgement, or they were going to reshoot scenes, or, like, have Jughead say, well, COVID-19 hadn't made it to Riverdale yet, so we were just busy, (laughs) you know what I mean? But I actually... Yep, 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 But I actually kind of... In a way, I do kind of prefer that they're not making any reference to it. Well, not this season, anyway, given you can't change zeitgeist in already filmed scenes. Like... You could re-edit the heck out of this, but, and I I rather suspect they took this extra time to do some lovely polishing on the editing in this episode, um, Mm. rather than an about-face of of new reality. Um, Yeah. But it is going to be weird because I guess the class of Riverdale High is going to be, are going to be the only teenagers in the United States (laughs) who are having a normal graduation with prom and with... uh, well, that walking across the stage, you know, all that stuff. Like, it's they're just, it's not just strange. Actually, because they didn't film nope. that. 
Oh. Yes. How do, you, um, how do you know? So they've released what the new final episode is going to be. Um, I don't... Okay. I don't... Uh, May 7th, I think. Uh, the the pseudo-season finale, uh, which is, of course, not the planned season finale. It's, um, it's an episode where they all fantasize about mur- murdering Mr. Honey. And Jughead he- writes a short story as a Hail Mary university thing uh, about the revenge fantasies about Mr. Honey. Okay. So, like, obviously not the end beat that I think we all meant to end on this season, but I think capping things before the end of the school year and leaning into the, into you know, whatever narrative momentum they've got right now, I think that is a reasonable choice because they can't really shoot more. You, you, you can't. Are you sure about... Th- oh, so they're just not releasing the final three episodes until things go back to normal? No, these are the final three episodes. Hedwig, Lynchian, and the the next one we're getting. That's it. Oh, so they're not doing a full 22-episode season? No, they can't film anymore. Oh, we're shut We're right. shut down past this. Uh, they Yeah, but they had filmed up to this episode, apparently sufficiently, to complete post. Um... So yeah, that's our new season finale on May 7th, I believe. Wow, okay. I don't know why I didn't know that, but uh, cool. I mean, I only knew that because I uh, spent the time between saying, hey, Chloe, I'm ready to go 40 minutes early, and now um, reading random gossip websites and doom scrolling on the internet. So that's the only reason Ah, I know things. Doom scrolling. Doom scrolling. Love a good doom scroll. (laughs) I went down... um, a bit of a an interview interview with the cast mm. um uh rabbit hole what's the word rabbit hole thank you <laughs> um and i found some really really wonderful interviews um uh to be honest i i started off in the comic-con interviews which like it's really interesting watching famous people answer the same questions over and over again about mm-hmm, mm-hmm. their show. Like, it's just it's just another set of acting skills, really. It's got to be. I mean, maybe it, it's genuine for some people, but it's kind of like, ugh, well, it's, I don't know. It's performative, at very least, the same way you and I are being performative right now, right? Like, yes. you are you are on, on the record for a work thing, except they're getting paid for it and we aren't. But that, yeah. that, that same <laughs> aesthetic of, of performativity of being on... Um, it's, uh, like, being on as your natural self as an actor or your persona self as an actor is obviously a different type of acting. But, uh, oh, yeah, it's it's totally, it's totally acting. Yeah. It, it's interesting. I've actually been reflecting a lot about how fame operates in our culture mm-hmm. um, for some reason in the last couple of weeks. And um, I think it's probably because I've been alone with my Instagram account so much. Yeah, that tracks. Um, yeah, and... Uh, <laughs> Um, this definitely isn't true of the folks in Riverdale, but I was thinking about the fact that I've, like, um, been, uh, looking at, um, the actors who played the Harry Potter characters, as an example. Yes. Since, since I was, since I was, like, 12, I've been looking at these. Sorry, you're going to hear some clattering as I, uh, uh, fix up my laptop situation here. Sorry, Riverdale gang. Um... Uh, I've been looking at them since I was about 12, and they've all had pretty interesting careers after Harry Potter, and um, uh, I've seen a few of their subsequent films, and I feel like if 
one of these actors was standing behind me anywhere in the world, even if I couldn't see them. If they started talking, I would probably know who it was. And mm. that's that's a really weird level of intimacy to have with someone mm. that you've never met. And these uh, these people obviously don't know who I am. Mm-hmm. And I was reflecting on the fact that celebrity interviews and interviews in general are kind of set up the way like a first date conversation is set up mm-hmm. or a first hangout with a friend is set up. And it mm-hmm. occurs to me that this whole money-making machine is set up so that we feel like we are intimate with them. Oh, yeah, totally. And that... And it's so, it's so creepy. Like, it's so creepy to think about. It's a hundred-year-old industry, and then some, Chloe. Um, one of my favorite uh, scholars and journalists, um, Anne, Helen Peter- bleh, Anne Helen Peterson, um, she uh, has done extensive writing on vintage celebrity culture, uh, fascinating, um, like, classic celebrity uh, gossip um, writings and a lot of critical analysis of what the, the, the machine, the economic machine was, um, hmm. the, the fan machine and the celebrity machine go right back to 1920s studios models where the product of the actor and the celebrity as a figure was such a selling point that there was an entire double down industry on the gossip celebrity aspect as a secondary aspect of the performance of the, of the star. Mm, yeah, and I feel like that's really lasted. Absolutely, and every aspect, like, if we go back into early Hollywood generations, we, the cracks have, the, the, the paint's fake, flaked off, so we can see behind the scenes now from three, four generations ago, um, the fake marriages, the extraordinarily fake personas, and a time when you could, when personas weren't verifiable in the same way. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's absolutely fascinating. It's it's a I think it's a very distinct cultural evolution of the the U.S. celebrity apparatus um, that we've inherited. Yeah, um, and I I I feel like with the emergence of social media has instead of dismantling that has actually solidified it. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Well, yeah. there, there's there was there was certainly a, a generation of celebrities caught on a unaware by what social media meant, and we've all seen mm-hmm. celebrities screw up. We oh, God, rel- yeah. we relish in it, right? Um, but it didn't take long for an entirely new generation of entrepreneurial artists uh, and celebrities and whatnot to embrace and and reimagine the the intimacy model, like keeping up with the Kardashians is truly a fabulous piece of evolving media. Like, it's, it's, not, it's not my show, but I respect the hell out of the concept uh, and the capitalization on a perfect moment of pivotal change in what celebrity culture means um, that effectively put this family full of, of uh, low-key celebrity influencers into a into a leadership position of defining celebrity models, the celebrity yeah, model and, of and the day, benefiting, and benefiting from it themselves. Because I would imagine that many, many actors in particular who probably get into film because they like acting, are I don't want to say taken advantage of in kind of a mopey like cue the violins way because I do feel like there's a lot of privilege that comes with celebrity mm-hmm. and. 
Um, for the most part, at the end of the day, I'll, I imagine all these folks are going to be okay, <laughs> you know. Um, but I guess, I guess what I'm saying is that I do feel that a lot of actors probably are taken advantage of, and that relationships are taken advantage of, like the the yeah. culture around Cole Sprouse and Lily Reinhardt's relationship. Mm-hmm. I, I, that's got to be disturbing from the inside. That's got to be hard to navigate, you know. Yep, and that. But that's one of the oldest techniques. That's exactly. the thing. Like, like, like we look at, like that's that's so not new. The relationship drama. That's one of the first techniques of of vintage Hollywood celebrity promotion, right? Like, I guess it does change in the contemporary lens significantly. Like, I remember a gossip post detailing, oh, uh, Lily's family, Lily's sister unfollowed Cole on Instagram. Does this mean breakup? Like, right. that level of analysis her, is Her thumb wild. probably slipped. Like, the poor woman. My God. <laughs> but, yeah, there is there is a level of, um, of access that is unparalleled. Um, and that, I suppose, yeah, I suppose that does change the change the old game a whole bit. Well, I think it's different because, um, uh, to me at least, a lot of uh, relationships, celebrity relationships now, seem very authentic, and they they gain this follow... Like, the machine works on its own. The studio Mm -hmm, doesn't have mm -hmm, to do anything. mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, we... The... The seeds laid in the 1920s have come to have come to bear fruit on beautiful trees for the producers and the studio and whoever else makes money off of these things because mm. they don't have to fake anything. You know, we're the sheep are willing to follow the shepherd. Do you see what I'm saying? I wish to posit a more cynical counterpoint. Um. Well, I actually, I actually was going to follow. I was actually going to follow that up with. I would imagine that a lot of Okay, so a friend of mine has a theory that the Beyonce Jay Z cheating story was just made up, and because they made so much money off their, off her album, where she was like, "Forget it, Jay Z, I'm better than you, and I'm going to show off." And Jay Z made a p- bunch of money off this album, where he basically apologized, right, for the entire album. They made so much money, and this friend of mine really does think that they just made it up. Yeah, possibly. I mean, yeah. I, I would, I would think it's more likely that. They capitalized on interpersonal drama, personally. Yeah, that, that <laughs> like, feels more but, real to me. Um, but either which way, yeah, the uh, undoubtedly the, the product and promotion and celebrity gossip aspect is a factor. How pe- whether people are choosing to make these things happen or utilize their own drama performatively, we'll never know. Yeah. Um, And I also don't really know if I care. I mean, Lemonade is, I think, probably one of the greatest albums made in the last 10 years. So, yeah, it's a fabulous piece of art. (laughs) Yeah. So, I was wondering um, if that was your cynical counterpoint. Well, actually, probably a lot of this is made up. What what were you going to say? Oh, not at all. Um, I was in a different direction, actually. Um, The exploitation of the actor. I would posit that our contemporary celebrity culture that is. Uh, social media and individual personality driven is much more of a gig economy exploitation form of the classical celebrity model. Um, Interesting. Okay, tell me more. So we we live in a a media environment where 
a great number of entry-level artists are expected to self-produce and promote up to a point of medium-level celebrity. Um, that hmm. can, at some point, mean bringing a team on, bringing agents, uh, bringing um, stylists. And I've, uh, you know, we, we've watched over the last 10 years a number of YouTube personalities make the step from independent self-produced uh, artists to um, regular creative collaborator with team, established media, etc. Um, and that's, that, that's, in, in one breath, that's a fabulous success, success story. Um, a music producer I, I'm quite fond of named Kurt Hugo Schneider is a great example. He did covers on YouTube's for year, YouTube for years. Now he, um, he's a music producer, uh, mm. and he still works on YouTube, but creating original work, collaborating with pop singers, um, just fabulous regular content. And, in, in you know, in one breath, it, it fits comfortably the this self built empire, but in the other, how much of this system capitalized on his work, even YouTube, even the advertising model, even the entry level um, uh, access, so much free media and free effort was put in to achieve the baseline celebrity before a larger team capitalized on that figure, persona, and work. And I think a great deal, uh, or a large number of, of younger and up-and-coming influencers, um, I think there's a lot of personal vulnerability obliged and required to get to the point of um, exploitable celebrity now. And I think a lot of that has been offloaded in a way that is very different than classically. That, that mirrors some of our gig economy. Yeah, it's a great point. And the other, one thing I have been thinking about as well as a counterpoint to something I said earlier in mm. the conversation was um, artists never stop being exploited. Like we, we are in a, in a production model where like you and I yep. are exploited by giving our labor for free yep. and very, very well paid actors on successful television shows are exploited because they have to have their personal life in the press. Yep. in order to stay famous like if the exploitation just doesn't stop and mm -hmm. man we just all want to make some good art y'all yep and <laughs> and everyone gonna capitalize on that yeah everyone is gonna ugh, makes me mad i mean um, us too us too yeah us too yeah but hey um, and final thought, though, one of the things that I'm finding um, as more of the people from our like local like Vancouver theater and film community get cast mm -hmm. on Riverdale and on Sabrina, like <laughs> the the celebrity status of uh, these of the non-local actors is sort of sort of seems unreal in some way because the show is becoming very accessible. It's a little like it's a little like going to see my friend's theater. That's like that's how it's starting to get for me. Yep, and that's um, that says a lot about you, Chloe, and your rising celebrity star. You're hanging out well, with cool people. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> okay. You are the okay. Um, but that that is yeah, the reality. We, that we are we okay. So <laughs> listen, Ryan Ryan produced a piece, co-produced a piece of theater at last year's Fringe that was like. Worthy of the McKittrick Hotel, like it was Aww, perfect. Thank you. And okay. um, and he knows all the same people on Riverdale and Sabrina <laughs> that I do. I don't know what you're doing right now, Ryan. <laughs> it's all it's all small, is what I mean to say. Uh, it's all right there, and that's another aspect of contemporary celebrity. Um, everyone's supposed to be a normal 
human, um, which is, everyone's supposed to be a a normal human who performs celebrity, who performs being a normal human in their job as a celebrity. Yeah, it's weird, man. And when you cut down, it's when you cut to the heart of it, it's like it's performance, but it's largely just people being people at their jobs. Um, yeah, and it's it doesn't take much to pop that bubble of celebrity. Just meeting a few humans in person and realizing they're human humans. It's it's fascinating. And the context. Yeah. If if you meet someone outside of their performance context, you accidentally meet a human and it's confusing for your brain sometimes. Totally. Totally. Um, mm-hmm. one last thought before we jump into this honestly really great episode. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um I, I so I went and back f- friends friends and listeners i went back and listened to last week's episode Mm -hmm. and i honestly wanted to slap myself sideways so many times um (laughs) i i think i went into last week's episode ready to get offended to be honest Mm. um and that makes some sense given the content that could easily be done wrong yeah, and I rewatched the episode, and I love it. I just take back basically everything I said last week. But I also had a really interesting experience listening to myself talk. I had to raise my voice a bit so that um, I was sure that Ryan could hear me in the recording because we're not together. We're obviously in separate places. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ryan, bless him, is editing everything together every week. Thank you, Ryan. Yeah. Um, and uh, I... I uh, I definitely had to unpack some, like, internalized misogyny. I was like, this annoying woman is being loud and opinionated, and I don't like her. Oh, wait, it's me. Huh. Well, that's, uh, so that, that, that's a so, good and horrifying experience to face with yourself. Yep. Anyway, I just wanted to share. I'm being vulnerable <laughs> for my for my celebrity, eventual celebrity status. Yay. <laughs> um, I've, oh, God, I've... I hate it. <laughs> I have the tiniest amendment as well to my last week, um, in that in my brief summarizing, I got a few details wrong. Um, oh. That the character of Hedwig uh, does use the pronoun she and her, and identifies as female, um, though the situation and context of the, um, of the play uh, show that, that this transition was not necessarily about gender dysphoria, but other survival issues. Nonetheless, we have mm. a character who who embraces uh, her identity as female, and I, I missed that detail of uh, the summary last oh, time wow. as well. That, okay, maybe I don't take back everything I said last week then. I mean, it's a controversial play, and we both need to go read more about it. And in fact, we, we, do. Should, we should both just watch the movie, Chloe. Maybe this, summer, maybe this summer, when there's no Riverdale, we can do a special Hedwig and the Angry Inch episode. We yeah, should watch great. all the musicals that they parody. <gasps> That's a great cool. plan. Is there a film version of Carrie, the musical? Not that I know of, but we could watch Carrie the film, and I bet Therlith could find us a bootleg of Carrie the musical. Ooh, <laughs> yes. Okay, okay, okay. Stay cool. tuned. Good summer ahead. All right, well, with all that future content in mind, shall we uh, shuffle into our existing remaining content? Yeah, um, I don't know about you all, gang, but I thought this episode was great. I had fun. I have absurdities that to laugh and point out, but on the whole, I had fun. I was really impressed with their, um, the, the editing polish of this episode, especially mm. in, in the commitment in calling this Lynchian, uh, in the, the meta-narrative of this. 
they earned their commentary for me very, very well here. Um, this, this was a well-composed episode. Yeah. Um, I really wish I hadn't seen the name of the next episode because I was waiting for the Mr. Honey reveal for the whole episode, and I got it at the end, and I wish I hadn't been waiting for it. <sighs> yep, 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 yep. Fair, fair, fair. Fair. Okay, I would I would have been more off guard by that as well. Yes, let's do it. Okay. Right. Uh get your Netflix and or other DVR type or totally legal recordings ready, gang. Not bootlegs at all. Everything's legal. <laughs> all right. I'm syncing up with the Netflix Badoom. Pressing play. Right. And Badoom. Wow, I wah, think we're like wah, completely wah, synced wah, up. I'm excited wah. about that. Well, let's see how that works in editing. <laughs> Lynchian, yeah. the town with Pep. Um, I really enjoyed the overall, um, what was almost like reference to itself in this episode. Oh, yeah, totally. Like the, the, the self-awareness of its own meta aesthetic going on. Yeah. Whew. This is a creepy little video that they're all sitting around and watching. I mean, I... I'm assuming in this in these videos that we're dealing with, someone's actually being murdered. That's the vibe I'm getting. That yeah. they're kidnapping and masking someone and killing someone. These don't seem, like they say later, oh, they're hard actors. These don't really seem actory by Riverdale norms. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um, also, I love that Jellybean gets sent out of the room, and Jellybean is probably the demographic that watches the show. But, yes. <laughs> Fair point. Very fair point. Um, also, so, Chuck, so Chuck and we... Betty get to watch. They're not grown-ups. Well, NC-17. They're at least 17. That's one of those weird <laughs> American ratings. Mm. So the stuff from Hiram this episode, honestly, I like this character's arc has been redeemed big time for me. He's finally doing interesting stuff. Mm. I mean, I enjoyed watching him this episode, mm. but I... But it didn't, um, it didn't do much for his art for me in that I, I appreciated the, the completion of his arc in, in what they achieved in this episode that, um, like his, he goes back to his patterns and habits. He, we revisit his resolution with Veronica. We revisit her making dumb assumptions and guesses and wishing for the best again, mm -hmm. even though her, her entire season arc has been self-aware and yet um but i hope this is the end i hope they're wrapping that dynamic yeah so this this was unexpected i didn't expect this and i like it this was very unexpected um this was interesting yeah. um i okay there's an, there's an episode of glee where they all get drunk and the show is so sanctimoniously self-aware of these kids are being irresponsible and it's comedic. I got a hint of this that vibe, but with a lot more clever subtlety here. Of like, these kids are really doing something ridiculous in exploiting this situation, and it's gonna blow up on them. But for once, I enjoyed watching how it blew up on them. Yeah. I also like that Reggie's game for it. I think that's the thing that I found the most fun about it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's well, there's none of the none of the hangups and biases and awkwardnesses that I don't want to see or think about are here. 
they they have fully embraced a world where it's not weird for the it, the the gender tensions, the sexual dynamic tensions are reduced into a happy place for me, and I like that. I don't mm. I don't I don't want to worry about is it weird for Kevin to talk to his straight friend about this tickle fetish thing? Yes, it is. No, it, but we're not going to focus on it at all. Instead, they're all in it together. Yeah, the all in it together was fun, but I didn't actually think of it in terms of the dynamic that you're mentioning. I just. I thought mm. Reggie was going to be like, I'm not doing that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, don't know. I just thought it was an interesting choice for the character. I guess that's what I mean. That we found right. something out about the character. He's kind of willing to do anything for money. You know? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That tracks. Yeah, the, the mercenary yeah. aspect. And, and generally, yeah. yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. It is. That's a good point. That's a, it's a nice Reggie growth. Yeah. Um, okay, so do we think Barchi's actually over? I don't know, because they spent so much energy on these really cute kid actors being cute kids, and we haven't spent any time in Archie's head this episode at all. That's that's the missing piece for me here. We've only seen Archie through Betty's eyes as she processes this. We see mm-hmm. We see moments of silence, we see Archie make decisions, but we're not inside his head. And he makes yeah. what, what seems to be a shaped decision with a lot of the thoughts and ponderings that go on to this episode at the end, but it, it's not, we don't see under it. It doesn't make sense to us yet. Mm. In my, in my opinion, after one watch of this. <laughs> oh, Cheryl. Bye. That was exactly the right attitude here. Yep. This is a good episode for Cheryl. Yes. Um, I had to suspend my disbelief that Penelope is just lurking in the background of Veronica's business after the whole Red Dahlia murder plot and shooting Betty's father in front of them both. Oh, poor Penelope hiding in the secret room. Yeah, I think Penelope paid these guys. I think Penelope tipped these guys off. Mm, I think that's what's going on here. that, That could be interesting. I definitely don't believe she was afraid or vulnerable. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. By the way, gang, you're gonna hear my cat bopping around in the background. I'm sorry. Meow. Meow. It's Chloe. I think it's like it's Zoom call rules. It's video call rules. Cats and dogs are a full stop. Acknowledge, embrace, let everyone enjoy their love, and then we'll go back to whatever we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> the cat um, is welcome. Okay, so, great, I'm glad to hear it. So, this, at first I was like, there's another gang in Riverdale that we've never heard of. I hate this. But this this gang actually feels like a small town white America gang to me. Like, this in some ways is a little more believable than Hiram Lodge for me. Yes, I will agree. Um, I, I mean, ain't nobody's moonshining anymore, though. That's, like... That's, I'll accept it in this hyperbolic, ridiculous world where yeah. teenagers make rum empires because no one is moonshining. Like, I'm going, I'm, okay. My family were moonshiners. Oh, really? We did a stretch. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, my great grandpa was in jail for a while for it. It's great. It's not an industry anymore because booze is cheap. <laughs> yeah. Um, Re- like the realistic parallel of this, I think, would would be like more e- illicit illegal goods. But yeah, this is closer to the gang, to the real gang, real gangness. I think 
mm. for, for this size. I would have just the fact that they're making their own from scratch is just what is so ridiculous to me. They're not just stealing rum or something and and like boots undercutting it. Like that that's the crime. Dodging taxes is your margin. Yeah. <laughs> I love that Jughead just needs some popcorn to like do some film stuff and Charles like has this bowl of popcorn that he's not eating like okay. <laughs> I, I enjoyed the I acknowledgement of Charles as a human this episode with a relationship yeah. to Jughead a little bit. I don't know yes. who he is yet as a human. But... Well, this is the thing is that we're not going to get, I don't think at least we're going to get the Charles and Chick payoff. No. Because we have to wait for the last three episodes. Mm-hmm. Kudos, by the way, to Riverdale. Very good. Just having Mr. Honey and Charles and Chick hanging out in the background doing nothing for a whole season very good loved great slow build well done now whether Um, whether whether that was intentional or whether that was let's just leave the supporting cast in the back who are are working and we'll use them later either way well done (laughs) yes so um i loved this scene i thought it was like very strong Mm. high school drama what are we gonna do I thought it was great. Yep, I I felt the emotional tension stakes here. I I was very impressed with their performances. Um, yeah, the, totally. The amount of time that this episode lingers on these characters feeling things silently is unusual and impressive, and um, like shows shows their strength as a cast. I think. Yeah. I also, um, going back to celebrity status and celebrity machines and stuff, we're really used to seeing Lily Reinhart paired with Cole Sprouse. And of course, there are a couple in real life. And Mm -hmm. we're not used to seeing her paired with someone who she's, who the actor is not in a couple with. Mm. And I, um, I was a little worried that that was going to be present somehow Mm, in the scene. That the celebrity details would somehow, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, like that it's inherently unbelievable because they're, mm. because I was, I guess I was yeah. worried that these two actors were not going to have the same level of chemistry that Lily Reinhardt inevitably has with Cole Sprouse because they're actually a couple in real life. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think they have excellent chemistry, KJ Apa and Lily Reinhardt. Like I'm yeah. really buying this. Like we grew up together. What are we feeling? I'm really buying it. I really, really like it. And I kind of want them to be in game at this point. I really like it. I agree. The, the longing and their te- in their tension is really, really, really solid here. Is, 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 totally. is, is tangible. Is so tangible. Hi, Ethel. Yeah. Get your money, girl. Yeah. Get your episode. Gotta love These Ethel. two actors do good scenes together, actually. I like... I like that because it actually reminds me a lot because I was like a little bit of an Ethel in high school. And I think that um, Mm. periodically I would end up in conversations with people who were cool, which Jughead kind of is. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know. These conversations are just like really familiar. Mm. It's they feel very real to me, which is a weird thing to be saying, given the content of the Mm -hmm. conversations themselves. (laughs) No, that's but that's that's. Kudos to the performers for delivering delivering absurdity at this point, four years in, five years in, with with this um, this earnestness. Mm-hmm. Like that's I think they've achieved a great deal of fresh earnestness this season in their tonal 
tonal re re-leveling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is really sweet. Ask me again when we're 18 and in high school. God. Yes, when we're real adults when we're 18. <laughs> I mean, people get married at 18 and it lasts. I mean, who am I to judge? Yeah, it's an, it works for some people, but not a lot. Like, I'm going to be honest. Truly. Not truly. that many people get married at 18 successfully. Yes, Although, that is true. Apparently, I, I, I read somewhere that divorce rates actually are leveling off in the last decade pretty significantly. And the surge of people who were in marriages they couldn't get out of was a major factor in the 80s, 90s um, divorce statistics. Oh, that's interesting. That there is a little catch-up backlash that, like, now that divorce is more normalized generationally, we're seeing different patterns and different numbers. Um, yeah. In people who choose to get married in a, in a, in a post-divorce world. But anyway... Yeah, I think that's really it. I, I find that the way that my friends and I talk about marriage is very different than even how, like, on one side of my family, um, my uncle and the cousin on the other side of the family are about the same age. They're in their 40s. My dad's youngest brother and then my mom's niece. Mm -hmm. And even, like, and I wouldn't consider them to be dated people, but even the way they talk about marriage and the way I talk about marriage is, is different. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's only a fifteen-year gap, right? So, yep, yep. It. I agree. It's a. It's a huge culture shift. It's not. It's not at all holding the same milestone place for our generation. Yeah. I think. Um, it, also, marriage feels weirdly temporary to me. I. I went. You know. I. I went to plenty of weddings as a kid, and I saw plenty of divorces as a kid, and like equal numbers. Yeah, that's you know, interesting. Like it's, I come from a family of only two divorces, so marriage to me feels extraordinarily permanent. No, we got more divorces very... than, than successful marriages. But that's also yeah, that's most... also a huge family, right? Yes, it's true. I don't have a... Oh, man, my cat is bopping. Give me a lot of noise. Actually, By the way, a lot I, of my cousins I... are in really happy relationships, come to think of it. Never mind. Generational Aww. again. Generational. Yeah. Um, can I just say, I was like, I I think I might have cheered for Reggie during that scene when I first watched it. I was like, yes, get it. Take control of the means of production. Um, I, I, I did, it did jump out at me. One of those, this is too heightened moments. The fact that every single manager in every single field has thugs. Even the tickle fetish filmer has his personal collection of thugs. <laughs> that's that's just something I found a little ridiculous. That all businesses operate like lodge businesses. Yes. <laughs> it's a little much. I loved this set, by the way. I don't know where mm. this is, but I thought it was great. Yeah. This, this old this old uh, book. Mm-hmm. Ugh. I, I want to guess this is a built set, mainly because of how much fun this would have been to build. Like, yeah, like this I mean, is, I, don't, this is the... I don't recognize it. This doesn't feel like a place in Vancouver that I would... And, like, yeah. low-key cinephile over here, I know where the video <laughs> stores are. <laughs> so it's possible that one's just in Langley or something. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm betting that was a, a production designer baby because the, like, the... The niche work of, like, hand-drawing signs that are supposed to just be part of stores, that's a certain, like, crafty film craft that I think... 
is super satisfying. Maybe I'm projecting. I miss doing things. Maybe I miss building rooms. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) For a second, I thought they were in um, the magic shop bookstore that's in Greendale, but Mm. they weren't. (laughs) That would have been too crossovery. Yeah. Um, So I, I honestly think Penelope trashed this herself. Yeah, you know, I'd believe that. Um, I, yeah, Cheryl, Cheryl's getting played is what I'm getting from this. Yeah. <laughs> um, Although also, I do like the decision she makes later in the episode to not stay in business with Veronica. I thought that showed a great deal of maturity on Cheryl's part. That said, I think her staying in business with her mother is folly. Remember when you gazed your mother ten episodes ago to stop her from stalking you in the walls? Yeah. Remember... Remember all the murder, Cheryl. Remember? Remember when your mother dispatched a serial killer to your school junior prom, Cheryl? Yeah, that's a shame. (laughs) Um, I, by the way, I, uh, so this is sort of what I mean about Hiram and his arc. I expected Mm. this to be Hiram who sent Mm. the Malloys and I was like, okay, so he's just doing the same old crap again, but it Ah, wasn't him. Right. He goes out to protect Veronica and then... Uh, mm-hmm. But then he lies in a very different way. It's not really mm. a power move. It's a, I'm a failing as a father and you don't know. Right. Kind of. Yeah. I thought it was, right. I thought they were cool choices for his character. Well, that's a great point. That, that, that's a great framing of it. And yeah. like how, how that changes his role and dynamic in Veronica's life and their dynamic. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. That's an excellent point. Yeah. So I oh buddy buddy oh. I I always wonder because I'm always guessing when like there's extra time to edit and maybe some shots are missing and you can't do reshoots there's some loving and beautiful languid editing here and long shots that I always have to wonder like if you had time to just finish doing this the the, the way you meant to would it be this smooth and pretty mm. would you have lingered as longingly in this carefully edited and constructed segment um yeah, I don't know, but yeah, I, don't I like either. it. I like it. I and I feel like there are there are fingerprints of um a situation of aesthetic recovery. I, I, the yeah. um, when you can feel that a piece of art is missing a few pieces from the everything that they plan to have, but not not quite in a Star Wars Episode Nine kind of way, in a way that yeah. works, in a way that makes sense and is satisfying. Um, I'm so sorry, Ryan. Um, my, uh, cat has gotten into something. Can you hold down the fort alone for... I'm gonna keep talking over Betty and Archie. I'm gonna keep talking over Betty and Archie. keep talking over Betty and Archie. Good luck, cats. Um, so, without Chloe, I'm gonna point out that this is, this is a scene where I was particularly interested in, um, the, the lens. I felt very much with Betty's perspective in how this art this this argument plays out. And I'm very curious um to hear what Chloe experienced and what you you actually experienced, Spears. I felt like a great deal of this story was being told through Betty's perspective and lens. Um we're sitting with her in her diary. Um we're, we're sitting with her in her perspective. And I, I feel like the way that this story was told in this episode excluded Archie's perspective very distinctly. Like, I, I can never really feel... I always feel like I'm with Betty watching Archie's 
eyes and wondering what he's thinking about the situation through each of the the Barchi scenes of this episode. Um, and I, I feel I feel that's intentional. I think that's intentional. Mm-hmm. I feel like because we're if he's if he's going bias. off to Naval Academy, I sort of feel like he's probably breaking up with uh, Veronica. Veronica, yeah. That tracks. I mean, I've often thought that aggressively wanting to cheat on your your partner is probably a good time to evaluate where you're at in the relationship. Yes. But, um, yeah. Can't. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Kevin. See, yeah. if Kevin he were doing do this some acting zone, this episode, this actor, like, I, I honestly think he's so good and I wish he had more to do. Oh, yeah. I think, I feel like they're using Casey Caught a bit better this season. Um, I do feel like he was um, introduced to be a bit bigger than he was allowed to be in a lot of ways in season one, much not unlike a number of other important characters like the Pussycats. Um, Mm -hmm. But um, I am glad to see him get his due, at least with the Hedwig show, at least um, more B-plots for Kevin. Not the Mm -hmm. A-plots I want, but more B-plots. Yeah. I, um... So there was a little like queer. So I love the fact that Reggie like business businesses this, mm-hmm. and I love that Choni's involved. Mm-hmm. But I was a little like, all these straight people. Obviously, Tony's not straight, but like they all <laughs> they all, all these straight people got involved and kind of ruined it. You know what else is new? What else is new? <laughs> oh, we're adding a manager, a straight dude. Presumably, we don't necessarily know how Reggie identifies. But it's true. By all intents, we've only seen him uh, horn dogging after Veronica in a real stereotypical way. So anyway, yeah. And then this party happens. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. On defense, uh, this scene I actually thought was kind of fun. This scene felt like high school kids doing something goofy and fun and stupid, but in a yeah. in a fine kind of a way. In a fine. Oh my god, my cat has managed to turn on the piano. <laughs> this is just out of control. Out of control. Let I'm her so play sorry, Riverdale gang. I want There's to just... hear her beautiful music. No! <laughs> <laughs> this is just not a professional level podcast. I'm so sorry, Riverdale gang. It's okay, so this episode. scene was great. Yes. This was, again, well shot, lovingly shot. Um, all this lovely, like, dark, hand, dark, dark rough hand cam. Um, mm-hmm. the, this is an episode where I really see the, dif- the different cinematography tools in their belts here. Um, switching sharply from these glowing, overlit, soft, slowed-down vistas to, uh, you know, rough alley hand cam. Um, yeah, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of camera artistry that went into this episode. Yeah. This mm-hmm. was so. This is another example. So Jellybean isn't old enough to watch this, but her demographic is totally watching this. <laughs> ah. yep. yep, 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 yep. Point, point, point. I mean, you'll note that they let the killing happen off scene, off screen. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not. I mean, I'm not mad about it. Like, I think that teenagers yeah. have probably seen worse <laughs> than this show. Most likely, kids especially have the in this day and age. Days. Kids are gonna find yes. weird shit. This actually kind of surprised me. Mm. I think that's partly why I liked this. Uh, yeah. This plot. Yeah. This all surprised me. It was something I wasn't expecting for Hiram to have to deal with. 
and for me to actually be a little bit interested in how he deals with this emotionally. It's been a while since I've cared about Hiram on any in any reasonable capacity. Yeah, totally. All the murder, you know, that we just hand wave. All the murder. Yeah. All the murder. To say nothing of the, psych- the psychotropic drugs, like, apparently causing a crisis across several communities in the rural area of this state. <laughs> that jingle jangle psychotropic murder yeah. spree thing. You know, Hiram's ruined thousands of lives, but it's fine. He's sad. <laughs> yeah. I thought this whole scene, I'd like, I had, yeah, I liked all this because this ge- mm-hmm. this gets, this makes it complicated. She's helping him, but she's mad at him, but he's dying, but he's lying, you know. Yep, it's complicated for Veronica's feelings. And it's interesting and challenging for Veronica to process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's more real than Hiram's been through most of the show. That's like, we, we very rarely see until after he said it, whether Hiram is lying or not about something. And we get a, a, some, uh, a, a somewhat different stroke of vulnerability in, in his recent arc and in this episode. That, yeah. Yeah. That is, that is something for Veronica. I love this. I hate, hate, hate Cheryl Blossom. <sighs> this is the most adorable elementary school memory moment. Yeah. Were, were, you, um, were you a journalist, Chloe? Did you journal? Was, Did you diary? Oh, yeah, I journaled. <laughs> I majorly journaled as a teenager. Hmm. There were some things I felt like I couldn't write down. They were, like, so bad I couldn't write down in my journal. It was weird. Hmm. I didn't want there to be a record. No, I get that. That makes sense. Um. So, interesting... Uh, twist that I was maybe not interesting at all. The twist I was expecting at the end of the episode <laughs> was not a video of something incredibly creepy and damaging for Cheryl. I mm-hmm. thought it was going to be a video of like Archie mm. and Betty leaving the bunker mm-hmm. or Archie and Betty making out in Archie's garage mm-hmm. and jug. I thought I thought we were still on the Barchi train at the end of this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead of just the hot mess train we've always been on. Yeah. The the careful theming of the individual cars as we pass through the train has fooled us. I like Cheryl giving good advice. I really loved yeah. Grandma Queen Cheryl who wants to toss the match in whenever she smells gas. Um, gives good advice in this moment and it's real sweet. Yeah. You and Joe have found each other. Yeah, this is a girl who knows about forbidden romance. An mm-hmm. unlikely, unlikely magic, life-saving, life-changing co- coincidences. Yeah. <sighs> I'm liking every moment of authentic Cheryl, even that she, she's like, yeah, give me a second page for my dead twin brother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's a great mm-hmm. character, really. She's a great character. She has Okay, grown, so this scene, so. I was so worried about our sweet little Kevin. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone is thugs. Everyone is thugs. Yeah. I mean, I buy that someone who's producing a, like, maybe is, is it porn? Can't tell. Um, it's your fetish videos. Right. Porn or not. Fet- like, yeah. Like, fetish it videos. <laughs> fetish videos of teenagers 
he's, yep. he should have some thugs. <laughs> point. Someone's going to come point, for him. Point, 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 point. <laughs> Ugh. Have to talk to Ooh, my partner. Ow. Yep. Noise effect. Ugh. Yep, that threat. Ugh. I, I mean, despite what the the movie King Cobra says, I don't feel like there's all that much violence in low key porn production. But I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. But anyway, uh, this won't bite him in the butt again at all, ever, or anything. It's not like that's going to come back to haunt Kevin specifically. I bet. Oh, yeah. Ethel. Oh, Ethel. I remember not exceptionally enjoying um, a lot of what they gave Ethel to do during the uh, Gargoyle King arc. Um, mm. I'm much more enjoying healthy, normal teenager Ethel rather than brainwash Ethel. As a, oh, yeah. As a place in this world. It's just much better. It's just much happier. Mm. <laughs> uh-huh. The Scarlet like Jughead's like, I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> Why does everything have a creepy name in a creepy back room? <laughs> um, I am interested. I'm interested in this plot line, though. Like, where, who who got these tapes and where did they come from? Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, is it Mr. Honey? I'm interested. I want to know. Yeah. Maybe Brett will come back next year just Maybe. for the tapes. Or clearly he's just being a sloppy jerk with his with his uh, secret threat stash of tapes. Yeah. Although, like, I could see him eBaying his tapes as he as the police are coming. I could see him going for one last jerk move. Yeah. I mean, he named it Ponytail Playmate in the first place. Oh, God, how did you make this a hit, Reggie? How did you just tap into the porn market subscription tickle fetish market? All things are possible for teenagers through the internet. This is what I have been told. (laughs) So emergent, you get all the weird pornography money. So, so sudden. Reggie is a digital genius, I guess. I guess so. So they, um, so warrants. I'm glad someone remembered warrants are a thing. Yeah. Also, good job, job, Charles, like, actually doing your job while you're plotting to ruin your brother and sister's life, I guess? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like, what else can he be... What else can he be plotting with that dude? With What else can him and Chick be up to? How can yeah. he be on Chick's side and also not evil? Because, like... Chick is a serial killer who was an apprentice serial killer who is now Charles' boyfriend in jail? Secret? What? I don't... I don't know how they're going to make sense of that backstory eventually when we yeah. get there. But... I'm interested. It, oh my god, Reggie, close your legs. <laughs> I just instinctively know that your legs are open right now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, hey! Wait, I'm wrong! His legs are crossed. Ooh. I take it back, Reggie. I'm sorry. You've adapted the the man sprawl into an affectionate arm over your um, two business partners. Take yeah. It. I'll take it. You know, this football team gets used as muscle a lot. Like, is anyone yeah. clocking the amount of time? Like, 
these are jackets are going to get a reputation. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. Some of those some of those fratty football teams are creepy. Yeah. Yeah. It's not it's often not the healthiest culture for yeah. a lot of reasons. But like in Riverdale specifically, does no one notice that the high school football team has for the fat past 3 years primarily been been employed as enforcers for every mob? Every yeah, every it's mob. Not great. Every it's mob. not great. Every mob. <laughs> not great. I love this scene. I think it's great. This is a responsible grown-up Cheryl movement. It's yeah, That's great. Surprising and unpleasant. <clears throat> I like that they hug. I like that like, this is how you do business with your partner when you respect each other. Mm-hmm. It's possible. Like a rare, healthy business relationship for the show Riverdale. <sighs> oh, he didn't receive a troubling phone call. He found these himself. himself. Which probably means their tickle videos are in the creepy red room and Charles is going to see all of them. But also, how do you get a VHS of digital stuff? I assume whatever creeper is putting VHSs of everyone in the town might have some connection equipment. Yeah. I mean, this is a world where analog is apparently not as obsolete as it truly is. It's true, (laughs) yeah. Like... Yeah, I spent I spent literally two years on a quest to acquire a working Betamax to digitize nah. some archival content a few years ago. It's did, wild. Did you do it? I did. It took oh, wow. me. It took me four Betamax machines. Oh uh, my god! Three repair shop trips. Um, a dedicated drive to a rural part of Vancouver Island. It was a gauntlet, but I did it. And now I digitized all the Betamax we have because I don't believe I'll ever be able to do it again. Wow. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Betamax is very dead. Uh, but VHS analog is not that far off. Although you can still um, digitize your analog at the Vancouver Public Library. Um, and a lot of libraries actually still offer that service. The opposite direction for te- these teenagers, maybe not so much. But mm-hmm. but in Riverdale, everything's analog. And, okay, Archie, write a romantic song. It's like, we're not in Archie's head at all, because we're not not seeing him process this conflict yet. We're just seeing him, we're we're seeing Betty process process the conflict of how attractive he is to her right now. It's interesting. Yeah, I I sort of don't think this is over. I think this is going to come back again. Oh my god, no. Archie's writing songs to her, and... Secret affair that almost happened is still secret affair, you know? Like, it's still secret emotional affair at this point. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, I mean, there's, there's, been all... a little, there's been a little touching. Yeah. We're in, a, yeah, we're yeah, in yeah. affair territory, I would say. Right, there was makeups, makeouts and secret clandestine bunker rendezvous, whatever did or mm-hmm. didn't happen. Yeah, we're in, we're in, we're in cheaty territory. Like, she could tell every aspect of this to Jughead, and it would be upsetting. Honesty yeah. would be upsetting. That's where we're at. Honesty. Yes. And, and once you've hit the honesty's upsetting, is real hard to untangle. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, man. Betty's very responsible. And Char uh, Archie's kind of a schmuck. Yeah. A little bit. I don't bit. know what he's doing. This whole episode, he's being kind of a jerk. A thoughtless, feckless jerk with Betty and Veronica and Jughead's feelings. Yeah. Um, in how blatantly he is leaning into his instinct to pursue Betty. Yeah. Um, I think I think he's making... I can't decide if he's making a mature choice here or not. Hmm. Um, with going to the Naval Academy. I think it's... I think sometimes that's what you gotta do, though. Sometimes you gotta just, like... Tap out of one version of your life and... Yeah. Tap into another one. Recognizing that you are not in a, in a place where you can make the choices you want to make and need to move and reshuffle... To reevaluate the choices. That's, um, that's, I think, a lot of young people's lived experience. Yeah. Like, like I had, I, I, know, I had no real concept of what moving to the city and going to university was, other than it was a dramatic change from the now. Right? Yeah. And I've figured everything out since from what I found in that. But, like, just that, that fresh start escape, that's a, that's an evergreen impulse yeah i regret not doing that actually i really wish i'd left vancouver for four years but mm. i ended up leaving it later for eight months and learned that i wanted to come back so it's okay yeah i mean you did the live in new york live in la thing later you you hit like the two big places to flee to at other points in your life right yeah i did <sighs> I guess those Different are the big American, the big American places to flee to. You yeah. were already in Vancouver, the one Canadian place to flee to. Uh, well, it's Toronto. No, people. no, I people, so I people surrender to Toronto. Yes, I also loved this scene. This um, is so great. Like, in a different context, we might work. Like, this is so mature. I love this. I love this. I ship it. Yes. The acknowledgement of, hey, we're in a relationship, but it's complicated and it's weird, but we like each other. But the social tensions of our existence right now prevent us from being us. And the body language here is so cute. Like, yeah. like this is nervous. This is nervous romance, boys. I like it. Yeah, this is so a really romantic much. scene. This is like yeah, like like the counterpoint of this to the Archie Betty longing, that looks horny compared to this to me. This feels sweet. And that yeah, includes really sweet. a whipped cream lick off a finger. Still more sweet, still less horny. Archie and Betty, yeah. they are drawn. These two are adorable. Yeah, and paced and thoughtful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <sighs> oh, I ship it. I ship, I ship it hard, man. Yep, yep. Fangs may be the guy you deserve. Maybe. I'm glad he's not dead. I'm glad they didn't shoot him that one time. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Stop fridging POC queers. <laughs> and Kevin's boyfriend. Stop fridging those two. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, so... Uh, this is, are this we reveal. A, I really wish I hadn't seen this coming. I wish that reveal had been more of a surprise to me. I like it. I'm interested. It's so satisfying and accepting that Honey is a creepy creeper. Mm -hmm. I believe it so well that he's a creepy, creepy creeper. Mm -hmm. <sighs> Veronica, this isn't a good call. But we've seen 
the whole season lead her to make this bad decision, right? <laughs> like, yes. we've, we've had a fabulous scene of independent Veronica going it really rough. Yeah, I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Mm. <sighs> now, that's very interesting. If the Malloys aren't the ones who wrecked the Maple Lounge, Hiram mm-hmm. just did a random hit. Yes. <laughs> and that's that's interesting consequences too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hiram Lodge. You ought to know by now. Yeah. I Yeah. And then suddenly Hir- we're sort of from Missouri here. I'm not sure what that's about. <laughs> boom boom. And Hiram is still Hiram. Yep. And that's after several episodes of his uh, crumbling masculine identity of boxing and his physical strength. He does a murder to get it back. He does up a murdering. Yeah. So I think the thing I like about this is I I empathize more with Hiram's motivation. I think that might be the thing. Yes. It's one of his less evil murders. It's one of his best intention murders yet. Yeah. Um, yeah, D- ugh, this. And then this twist. So this scene, this scene is very Lynchian. Mundane things are occurring and I feel very uneasy about it. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. The, the lighting on Jughead's flannel jacket in this is fabulous. It's picking up some lovely coloring. Hmm. I love these looks. Speaking of mundane things with a little color yeah yeah Yeah. this is um this is such a lovely tonal build off of off of all like they've been building this video tension for so long Mm -hmm. for years now the tension of what it means for them to each sit and watch usually a vhs on one of these old uh screens it's uh Yeah. yeah see I, that was a murder, right? That, like, yeah, that's oh, yeah. a snuff film. That was a kidnapping someone, putting them in a mask, and murdering them, right? Yeah. That's what sure I got. That's, that's what I got. Yeah. <sighs> I love that in this show, you show it to Jughead and Betty first before you show it to the cops. <laughs> makes, a lot of, makes a lot of sense. Like, Jughead and Betty have solved more murders than the cops have, so. Significantly you know. more significantly more and you're giving it to the cops anyway when you give it to Jughead it's gonna get there faster than calling 911 it's true you're actually giving it to the FBI <laughs> might be might be yeah, better they've, they've got the sheriff and the local FBI agent in the house so yeah yeah Jughead is the law yeah <laughs> Jughead's law just well, like, no, the, just sheriff, like... the sheriff quit oh my god you're right ugh I can't keep track. Okay. Jughead is the only law that matters. Because Charles isn't really the law. Really? I, like, Charles is abusing his FBI-ness. No one's the law. The law's fake. The law's made up, Chloe. Everything is made up. All reality is fake. And next week, it all falls apart. On Riverdale. Yeah, truly. (laughs) Uh, Truly. That's my mood. Um... I, uh, I like that episode. I feel weird 
about how um, we're not getting the last few episodes. That makes me sad. Mm -hmm. But under the circumstances, there are worse things going on in this world. Yep. I'm going to take the drawn-out plot point and let it become the fifth season arc, however they do that. Yeah. Uh, what, whatever they do. I mean, we might get a, you know, there's, there's a lot of uh, fan gossip, fan theory about a possible time skip to sync up with Katie Keene, um, or what was going to happen over the summer in the end of School Riverdale, what the new reality was going to be. I, would, I wouldn't be shocked if that becomes our mid-season break next year, assuming they can get back into a regular production schedule. Um, yeah. I doubt we're going to get the season five we would have gotten otherwise, but we're not getting any reality we would have otherwise gotten. So no, it's true. This is Riverdale season I, five. I really like the time skip. I've I've been more interested in what happens for the characters mm -hmm. in a time skip scenario than I think I've ever been in the course of this show. To be honest, like I've actually been mm. thinking about what I would like to see. Right, right, right. You know? What we could fast forward. <clears throat> I think into. that's really cool. Well, it 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 re it rebalances all of the offers and lets them remake everyone's stakes. Times to Gips yeah. are a fabulous device. I doubt it's what we're going to get at the top of next season, but. I guess we'll see. Yeah. Um, yeah. So next week we're going to moiter honey, right? Yeah. Over and over again, it sounds like. Great. That'll be satisfying. <laughs> we need that catharsis. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> okay, buds. Um, I'm good. Are you good? I'm wrapped. That's all I got to say about this one, Chloe. Uh, we'll all be right. back with you next week, folks. Uh, same Riverdalian time. Same Riverdalian channel. Same Riverdalian place. And the channel, no less. Na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na, <laughs> Riverdale. Okay. Shall we cap it there? I'm good. Great. See you, gang. Okay. Bye, gang.